This is a Bloody Vegans production. Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding, and hopefully yours, of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. Uh, This week I was joined by Chef Day Radley. Chef Day Radley is the founder of the Vegan Chef School which is an amazing organisation that is helping uh, budding chefs, whether in the kind of domestic home cooking sector through to, you know, very commercial kind of operations. It's helping those chefs uh, become well-versed in vegan cooking to the kind of the high standards that Chef Day Radley's become known for herself. So it's an incredible cause. I mean, I've spoken to a few restaurateurs over the course of time, either on the podcast or, or outside, and... One of the big challenges that they talk about, we talk about this in the in the conversation with uh, Chef Day Radley, is um, is getting uh, people who are vegan and also well trained as as chefs, uh, because the standard kind of chef training is you know in the old French style, uh, which is very kind of meat uh, dairy heavy. So um, I guess Chef Day Radley is really kind of pioneering. Actually, she's she's resetting the the bar and really helping folks uh, with a much much needed service in training the next generation of chefs who are gonna um, who are gonna be uh, front and center of kind of vegan cooking cuisine in all of these amazing new restaurants that have been popping up over the last few years and, and will continue to I'm sure so we'll get into that conversation in just a second a little bit of admin. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, there's a number of ways to do so. You can, if you're an Apple podcast subscriber, subscribe to the podcast for just 99 pence a month, and that will give you early access to episodes um, and will also uh, help you sleep safe and soundly in the knowledge that you help keep the lights on at Bloody Vegans Towers. So if you'd like to support in that way, you absolutely can if you're an Apple podcast subscriber. Uh, if you'd like to support via Patreon, you can do that too. Um, just head to Patreon, search for Bloody Vegans podcast and there's a number of tiers of support that uh, you can sign up to and support the podcast that way uh, there's also merchandise to buy on the website uh, that is bloody the bloody vegans podcast.co.uk so if you'd like to do that you can do too um, or just leave a, a lovely review on your podcast provider of choice so that's enough admin for today um, so without further ado here's a conversation between me and the founder of the vegan chef school chef day radley accident really I mean you know a very happy accident um me like like many vegans like we're so thankful for kind of coming into contact with it um and so for me um I was I think 17 years old um I grew up in Coventry so I was there at college and there was a protest at the local airfield um and so this was around the time when there had been protests in um i think dover um against the the live export of veal calves 
And because those um, those protests, like they were so massive and they were so disruptive, so they moved the transport of the veal calves from there to Coventry Airfield. And so I went to this protest, and I didn't know, I didn't know, I knew a little bit about the veal calves from what had been on TV, what had been on the news. Um, I didn't know about the life of a dairy cow. You know, I thought like a lot of people that a dairy cow um, just produced milk naturally um and so I went to this um this protest and this little old lady who was like about that tall I'm only five foot three you know she's she was about four (laughs) foot um she's got like a little like tea cozy on her head like proper granny so first of all like completely um busting any ideas that I had about what a protester looked like you know because in the media particularly at that time you know protesters were seen as very alternative, very aggressive, you know, tattoos, piercings, you know, people to be kind of like intimidated by. But this little old lady was like the antithesis of that. And she gave me this flyer and I will always, to the end of my days, remember it. It was a pink flyer and there was a picture of a cow on it, a dairy cow with her udder engorged all the way down to the ground. Like it was so massive. It was all the way down to the ground. And in the flyer, it detailed her life and the life of her male calf and at that moment I decided to become vegan I I was at a really really interesting time in my life when I was just deciding what type of adult I wanted to be you know um it's a really interesting time I think when you start not accepting everything that is around you and you start questioning it um, and you start becoming your own person, really. So it came along at exactly the right time. Um, and yeah, as I said, I went I went vegan overnight. Um, didn't know how to cook <laughs> at all. <laughs> so basically, lived on Linda McCartney uh, for a while there until until I taught myself how to cook. Wow, that, back in '95 as well. So yeah, so some time now. What what was the the kind of the landscape like from a from a vegan point of view when when you went back and told friends and family look I've been to this protest this this lovely old lady has has completely blown my mind and and things have got to change mm. what, what was the reaction like were people kind of I, I imagine weren't as used to hearing the word vegan let alone having one in the family and so on so what, what was the reaction like well I think for my family I'd always been the alternative one anyway um so I don't think they were massively surprised um but you know they were quite happy for me to be vegan um as long as I cooked for myself really um which was great actually I think that's a really really good thing for a 17 year old to do you know to become like more um independent in that way and to learn how to cook um my friends um in fact a lot of my friends at college went to the same protest as me so um uh, you know a few of them were vegan and if they weren't vegan they were vegetarian anyway um so um so so yeah I didn't get a huge amount of resistance from friends and family like I know that people can do you know I think that that is like one of the hardest things about becoming vegan is the opinions of other people um so I didn't really have have that which is great but I did have to learn how to cook 
Looking back, was that was that this that do you think was the 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 point at which you you thought you know what I, I'm going to be I'm going to be a chef? Was it that early that that seed no. had been planted? No, no, not at all, not at all. I became a chef completely by accident. I just fell into it. So, you know, I I had never really considered it as a career because um, vegan food wasn't that popular then. Mm. There were hardly any vegan cafes or restaurants. Um, There may be vegetarian ones that had some vegan food there. And that was it. So the idea of being a chef was um, was not even remotely of consideration to me. Um, and so after art college, I ended up being a designer maker. So I would make fashion you know, things like you know um, accessories and clothes and stuff like that and sell them to boutiques. Um, and eventually, I decided, well, this isn't really working out for me. I want to do something different. I went back to university to do art history as a master's, and that made me less employable <laughs> rather than more employable. Um, but you know, I've always been interested in, in that type of thing. And then I was. Um, just wondering, you know, what I was going to do, where I was going to land. And I did a photography exhibition as part of the Brighton Photo Biennial. And my photography was exhibited in a cafe. And the guy from the cafe said, was talking to me about me being vegan. And he said, well, you know what, you know more about it than I do. Why don't you make food and I'll sell it in the cafe? And so I started there and I just started (sighs) making food at home and I absolutely fell in love with it. And it was... um, It was such an interesting time because uh, when I was doing that stuff, you know, I'd be just working from home, you know, just cooking, 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 like 10, 12 hours a day. And I absolutely loved it. You know, so by the end of the day, I would feel like I could do another 12 hours. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, but I mean, that was, um, what, 12 years ago, probably now. So at that time, there still weren't that many vegan restaurants around um, but I knew that I just had to work out how to become a vegan chef and so I did everything I could possibly think of I, I did loads of photography which helps massively um, I I went for a job as, um, as a patisserie chef at a vegetarian restaurant and I basically kind of bullied the head chef into <laughs> into giving me a trial. So I took him along all my photography. I cook. I took along um, two cakes. I had been in magazines in, in food magazines, so I I brought all of that along, and I managed to get a trial. Um, and yeah, started there. Wow, so, yeah. wow! Thinking back, you, you going to exhibit in this cafe, and the cafe owner saying, "Do you know what? You know more about this than me. Let, let's let's let you know. Let's see what you can do." Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Did you have a degree of confidence in your ability to cook at that point? Because I can imagine if somebody said that to me and said, "Well, you're vegan," like you could, I, I would be petrified. You know, I might even think I'm quite, you know, maybe I'm a little handy at home, but you know, suddenly like putting my my food on 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 show, if you like, mm-hmm. is a different ball game. How how were you feeling at that point? Well, I'm sure that I was trepidatious about it. However, I think that um, when the hunger outweighs the fear, then you're okay. Yeah. You know, and my hunger for it to do something as a career that I 
loved doing on a day-to-day basis that was also for a cause that I really, really believed in, that was always the thing that I was looking for. And, you know, I loved being in fashion and I loved the creativity of it, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't helping the world in the way that I thought it needed to be helped. Um, and so once I figured that out, kind of like nothing could stop me, really. I became like very, very one-minded, very single-minded and very, very focused on that. Yeah, absolutely. How did the, the you know, you, you, you've decided you're going to become a chef. You've got this opportunity. Like you say, you, you're working now alongside three chefs and so on and so forth in this vegetarian uh, restaurant. How did the, the training, quote-unquote, at the time differ compared to what you may have seen from the sort of more omnivorous, the mainstream folk, if you like? Um, what do you mean, like uh, like chef trading? Yeah. Yeah, what was the path into it from a learning point of view? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, for a long time now, it's been pretty much the same. You know, there are standard courses that include, you know, butchery and fish and all of this, you know, type of stuff. And a lot of people, no matter what type of cuisine they wanted to create, they would go and do those standard courses. But in the UK, we have a lot of chefs who have never done a course ever. Um, right, okay. You know, there's a lot of people who who haven't had any training at all go into working in, in kitchens. Um, and, you know, I think that when one of the things that I realised becoming um, a chef for the first time was that you don't, to be a chef, you don't necessarily need to know all of the recipes ever. Yeah. You need to know how to make the recipes that that restaurant or cafe makes. And you need to be able to follow a recipe and be quick and do multiple things at the same time. Um, you know, and that that's all really you need to be able to do. Um, so, but then I did, I really did want to become trained and I searched and searched and searched and there was nothing out there for me. Um, and I know some vegan chefs who have gone through the traditional route and they've put up with doing all the butchery and the fish and the stuff like that but I knew that yeah. I couldn't do it and I also knew that it would be a waste of my time and money because why learn something that you're never gonna use again um so I basically just had to have on the job training and teach myself really yeah, yeah. and did uh, did that did that early experience do you think that informed what you've gone on to do and create in in the in the vegan chef school Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the vegan chef school is basically something that I've created for myself 10 years ago. Like (laughs) that, that me, (laughs) that me, I'm making it for that person, you know? So everything that I do, I'm always constantly thinking, well, what was it I was missing? What did I need? You know, what would have helped me to get into a kitchen, um, to get onto the career ladder? And that's why with the chef course that we run, I don't just teach um, students recipes. I also teach them like how to be creative, but also I teach them how to be confident because you really do need a degree of confidence to be a chef. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, just the the environment. Like I say, you might find yourself thinking, you know, I'm quite I'm quite good in the kitchen, so on. It's a very different ball game to uh, from my my limited understanding to being in like a commercial kitchen, you know. Yeah. 
having read a couple of Anthony Bourdain books back in the day, <laughs> it scared the life out of me. I certainly wouldn't go anywhere near it personally. And more well, power to I, you. Yeah, I must say that his experience is quite extreme, I think. <laughs> um, and I think that there are more positive kittens around these days. Maybe not a place to have started. <laughs> Turned me right off. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when did you get started with the Vegan Chef School? Three years ago. Um, so we just celebrated our third anniversary. So I launched the school on World Vegan Day. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. 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 So three years. So, of course, you know, we started just with the chef course and that was in person. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, um, I converted the chef course to being an online course. Um, right. And then we also launched a course for home cooks. Um, which is the cooking diploma. And then the latest one that we released is the nutrition diploma. Um, so that is specifically for people who are working in food. Um, because as chefs, um, chefs and you know recipe developers and caterers, we often get asked quite a lot of questions about nutrition and to make a menu that is suitable for you know, um, people with like certain conditions or that type of thing. So the nutrition course helps with that. Yeah, absolutely. So just thinking about three years, mm. you know, obviously a fantastic thing to have set up. One of the, uh, and it was two years ago, but one of the early podcasts I did was with a restaurateur locally to me. He was a vegan restaurant, fantastic place. But one of the things that he said, it, he was struck him as a, as a problem was getting people who were, you know, not only vegan, but, but trained. You know, yeah. and he said that this is going to be just become a growing, growing problem. That there's yeah. more people who want to open restaurants and no, no formal setting for them to get trained in. So, as that obviously that was the initial with the the chef school, so on. That was the the start. Mm-hmm. How how has that been received by the sort of the vegan restaurateur community and so on? they are as you say crying out for people who are both passionate about it but also knowledgeable um and can hack it in a kitchen basically um you know so so a lot of my students you know they they put their their cvs on on job sites and they get they get employers contacting them um because they're actively looking for people people like this um so yeah there's a massive call um for for students uh, for graduates i should say um because quite often you know i remember you know like five years ago a lot of people who were working as vegan chefs yeah they were really passionate about it really passionate about it and that was amazing but they didn't know you know how to organize a kitchen like how to do a mise en place they weren't like organized in the way that chefs have to be organized and that type of thing so um yeah and that's only going to get even more so over the next the next few years absolutely i i want to get your view on something uh, because obviously there's that sector there's the the sort of the vegan restaurants and they're they're you know thankfully they're 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 growing at a pace there's more and more and more of them popping up in different places and that's fantastic Mm -hmm. what's your view of the the uh, this sounds like a negative way of wording this but the the state of vegan food in the in sort of the omnivorous restaurant world how how do you kind of view it? The sort of the options given at main in mainstream restaurants. I, I I say this slightly loaded, but and this might be from my perspective. I I, I feel like there's a bit of a, and it's it's kind of good in a way because it's it, they're good entry foods, but there is a bit of an identikit 
like uh, popping up that I've found in, in omnivorous restaurants. So it's like there's the vegan burger. Mm-hmm. Um, is sort of the is the modern equivalent of what the risotto from like you know 15 years ago maybe was the vegetarian option and now the option is like there's the burger and there's not a great deal beyond that it's kind of salad or burger mm-hmm. what, what's your view of the kind of the way omnivorous restaurants and the chains and so on are tackling the the sort of growing demand in vegan food well i think it's great that there are options out there you know um that's phenomenal and you know having become vegan in the 90s that is like such a (laughs) massive change (laughs) and that that's really really wonderful but I think that they get a bit lazy with it um and you know there are places that um quite early on had a vegan menu like pizza express um but then they don't seem to have updated it um and it doesn't seem to be that progressive and that's the thing like with vegan food vegan food is very very quick changing like it's very it's developing Mm. very very quickly now um and they've got to keep up with the times so whilst once upon a time like that might have been like your go-to place because you've got all of this competition you know you've got to you've got to update it you've got to make it better i mean i think pizza express um here where i live have just launched um a vegan butter bowl and now i don't want to i don't want to eat a butter bowl Pizza Express. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and the thing is, like, you know, if they're thinking about, like, what do vegans want, it's basically we want the non vegan menu made vegan. Yeah. Like, that's it. (laughs) It doesn't need to be any more difficult than that, you know. Um, So, you know, I think, like, what Subway did, um, I think, was it last year or the year before, was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, On a billboard, they had. Um, their meatball sub with meat in it and underneath it was the meatball sub that's vegan and they're exactly the same. Yeah, 100%. That that's all they need to do. Like you don't need a huge amount of imagination. Of course you need like the recipe developers to be able to do that Um, but that's totally possible. That's totally possible. So, you know, I think like the mainstream chains are... They're doing just about enough, but I would like to see them getting better. Now, I went to um, Pereza in Brighton um, last week, and what they do is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that is like a whole other level. Um, So, you know, Pizza Express need to go and check them out, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And expanding quite quite fast, aren't they, Pereza? They've got a couple now, haven't they? Is it two or three restaurants? Yeah. It is absolutely fantastic, I'd reckon. Yeah. And you're so right. Uh, I, I, you articulated it obviously far better than me, but that the that's exactly it. There's a local restaurant to me. It's a big, it's a relatively big chain, but that, and that is exactly the option: Buddha Bowl or Moving Mountains Burger. They're both, and it's great. I'm glad I've got an option. Yeah. But uh, the the I, I do look at the omnivorous menu and think there's loads of different variety here you know whatever mood i'm in mm-hmm. i could go for something whereas i'm either in like yoga vegan or junk food vegan <laughs> like, yeah. it appears that that's the two people that they think exist within the vegan community yeah uh, yeah yeah definitely but i don't know, i don't know if you get um what i get when i go to a vegan restaurant like pereza and they give me the menu and I just can't decide because I'm just not used to it. Like, yeah. there's just so much. And it's just, I just want everything, you know. But I'm just so used to getting a menu. And, like, I can have maybe one thing, maybe two things at a push. 
and one of them I'd have to ask them to remove the cheese from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a good problem 100%. to have. It is a good problem to have. It's like you say, I, I can only imagine the 90s in terms of, you know, the, the difference day and night compared to now. Like they just, I imagine, what, what is refreshing, I suppose, most places you go, you say the word vegan and people don't look at you blankly. Most people kind of know what you're saying at oh. least. Um, so, you know, the, at least that is refreshing. But yeah, it would be nice to, to move on and adapt these things a little bit. Um, th- thinking about that, you know, from a point of view of somebody who is training up and coming chefs into into the world, is the skill set, obviously there's the, the, the stuff that is transferable, like you say, running a restaurant, an organisation and not running a kitchen, these kind of things. But is the skill set quite different in terms of, you know, you're, you're not necessarily just taking the tried and tested you know, here's the, the 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 recipe handed down through generations of you know French cooking, ultimately, and so on. That we're we're talking right. Actually, you've got to come up with something really creative and new. You mentioned you, you it made me think of it because I was as you were talking about mainstream restaurants. I was thinking about Wagamama's. So I went there recently, and they've got like a. I think they've committed to like fifty percent of the menus vegan, and they ask you at the door like, "Would you like the vegan menu, or would you like the the other, the regular menu?" I still don't like the word "regular." It's not there's nothing regular about it. Oh, but, the normal, but, the normal, the, the normal. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when people say normal milk, I always make a point of saying, "No, I don't. I don't want the cow's milk, thanks. I'll have the the oat milk." But yeah, that's just me being pedantic. But um, yeah, is it is it a, is it quite a different skill set that you're teaching folks? Because they've gone, I've got to build something from the ground up yeah yeah so we do teach them how to be more creative um partly because you know i don't want to create chefs that have to rely on recipes um i that that's always going to um hold them back really so they need to learn how to be creative um so they have lots of different recipe development projects throughout the course and i teach them the kind of building blocks of recipes so you know the five different tastes like how to introduce like different textures and you know all of that type of thing and yeah um quite often when people do go to work in uh vegan restaurants and cafes quite often they are asked more so than they would be in uh normal (laughs) normal cafes and restaurants non-vegan cafes and restaurants um you know to to do more recipe developing which they love like students absolutely love the creative side of things um but yeah i'd say it does happen more more so in the vegan scene and also i I teach students only gluten-free right and that's also something that they're asked to develop too yeah thinking of that that world gluten-free and tolerances so on and so forth from your experience of working in the the kind of omnivorous world you know in in the past at at various points um and then looking at looking from the outside in perhaps a bit more now do do you see that the kind of the food intolerances are making people also take things like veganism more seriously or is there not necessarily a link between the two like i'm talking from a cross-contamination point of view in the way that food is prepared and handled yeah, I mean, and people should be taking it more seriously, but I still hear from friends that they were given something with milk in or they were given something with cheese in and they didn't realise until they took a bite of it. And now restaurants should be taking that extremely seriously. Um, you know, of course, like, you know, if you're vegan for ethical reasons, like it is absolutely horrible to have that happen to you. Um, but if you are intolerant to it uh, or allergic to it, then you could end up 
very, very, very ill. Um, but I think that there's still a bit of laziness in some kitchens about that. Yeah, and and it also feels like it's just from a you know, thinking about it with a commercial head on. You know, if you own a restaurant these days, uh, uh, like, and you don't offer gluten free, you don't cater for allergies. Like, I, I I dread to think how many people, you know, ultimately turn away from your restaurant that you never know, you never knew, because of that. So you know, more power to you for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are guidelines that all restaurants and cafes should be adhering to. Um, mm. So, you know, you need to be making sure that you clean down, you know, you clean boards, you know, when there are allergens present. Um, if you are cooking gluten-free things, then um, you would, for example, you know, cook all of your gluten-free cakes on, say, a Monday morning. So the kitchen would be completely clean, um, you know, flour, just floats around in the air so you need to make sure that all the air is settled and that's why you would do it like first thing in the morning right with a clean kitchen um you know and, and things should be separate so they should be going along with those um guidelines and rules definitely because you know there have been some really serious cases mm. of um people uh, with allergies you know eating and drinking things that they that they shouldn't be um but i do think that if people think that um, you know, you can't eat something because you're vegan. They don't take it quite seriously. Well, actually, it's, you know, it's awful to eat, eat yeah. something, you know, that you shouldn't. Or and, and quite often, you know, like milk is like the thing, you know, like I, I can taste the milk just because a coffee cup has been near the steamer in a coffee yeah. shop, you know. Like that that taste gets like so, so much um, stronger to you. When you stop having yes, milk, yes, totally, totally. The the steam ones in coffee shops always always make me unnerve me a little bit. Mm. There's always like the 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 cloth that wipes them off, yeah. And then it's it's you know none of it looks like there's there's any cross contamination being taken into account. It's just it's I guess you know these these places are set up for the 90% or whatever the, the the mainstream and they're like machines they it's a, it's a mechanism you know especially like a coffee shop yeah. uh, so so it's all about you know pace and so on and so forth and sometimes i think you know we've all been in jobs where we've been working on autopilot and uh, i i'm certainly always like hawk on the on the barista from <laughs> where's where's the milk going and so yeah. on you have to be to yeah. some extent. But. Yeah, I mean, I just have black coffee when I'm out. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're so right there. Your your palate gets completely refined to this. I remember going mm-hmm. into a coffee shop a couple of months ago, and and they they used the wrong milk. I took one sip, and you get this. It's almost like cheese to you at that point. Like yeah. it's so potent, you know, compared to like. Whereas if you'd have asked me. You know, back in my omnivorous days, to tell the difference, I would have couldn't have, couldn't have told you the difference yeah. between anything really, or just you know whatever. So uh, yeah, you're you're so right. Your palate does get a bit more refined uh, as 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 time goes on. Yeah. Um, sort of moving into the 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 obviously the going back to the courses and so on because mm-hmm. you the the chef course we've talked about a little bit, but the home cooking course I'm kind of in, interested in. Did that come about as a result of demand? Were, were, fo- were folks kind of reaching out to you saying, I love what you're doing. Can I can I have a go at this too? Yeah, so um, at the start of the pandemic, 
obviously, you know, everything went online with the chef course. And I started doing um, Facebook Live cook-alongs every day. So I was doing them absolutely every day (laughs) for months. Um, And, you know, we built up like quite a following and the majority of people were, you know, people who were home cooks and they actually wanted a course from me. So I developed a course um, for them. So there's seven different sections in the course, including one on tofu, which can baffle people sometimes. Yeah. Uh, one on vegan cheese, you know, one on cakes, uh, one pot meals, easy meals, like that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's much, much needed. You know, I, I, I when I came into the the sort of world of veganism, uh, you asked me about tofu. I mean, even now, to be honest <laughs> with you, I still, I still don't get it right half the time, and I, you know, I still don't feel like I get you know enough of the moisture out of it, and all kind. Of, I think we could all serve to do do a bit better. And actually, the the pandemic, if there was one, you know, one unintended positive of it. Uh, it, it certainly, I think, turned a lot of people back to to home cooking, cooking from scratch. And yeah. um, so, so to give them an outlet and some structure around that, I think, is so important. And particularly, folks transitioning into veganism. Did did you did you and do you have any folks who are uh, either not yet vegan mm-hmm. or uh, you know are think are thinking about it, or or is there a typical demographic? Does it tend to be with the home with the home cooking course? Does it tend to be folks who are kind of new to it, or do you get people from every every kind of uh, end of the spectrum? Well, the majority of people are vegan. I would say like ninety percent are, but that's ten percent that aren't. Yeah. So, um, and they're either people who want to you know kind of gently increase the amount of vegan food in their diet or people who you know have a partner who's vegan or intolerant of something um so yeah there's a real like mixed bag i mean i I try to make the the courses as inclusive as possible you know we've got the word vegan in the title because i want people to know like this is a vegan company you know um we're not plant-based um and i think like that's an important um kind of like philosophical stance to show people yeah you know um but we are you know completely open to to anyone coming to us you know for whatever reason and i've had chef students as well who who aren't vegan um so yeah it's open to everybody and you know i just think like the more the merrier and the more accessible that we make it for people and the more welcoming that we are to people, um, you know, the more that we will be able to help them to cook more vegan and therefore, you know, reduce the, the, the suffering of animals. I'm impressed it's at 10%. I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> think it would be, I didn't think it'd be that high. I, th- I, I, I think that's fantastic. You know, it just, yeah. just shows that there is that, like you say, people who are wanting to, over cater for a partner it's just the the increasing of it and and interesting that there's you know potentially people coming into it who are want to be chefs and so on and so forth but not necessarily vegan Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting as well almost like they've they can see that there is this growing market why not add this this skill to my my bow you know what why not almost yeah yeah 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and I, I think like people are a lot less scared of the word vegan than they used to be, you know. Um, and I think that that's why a lot of um, companies definitely wanted to use the word plant based. Um, you know, there there were restaurants and cafes that I used to do recipe developing for, and they didn't want to use the word vegan. So I always called it the V word. You know, like it's like a yeah. naughty word. But now people aren't bothered by that at all. And I think that that's testament to um, you know, organisations um, like, like Veganuary showing people that they um, that it isn't like this massively scary thing and they don't have to say, yes, like from tomorrow I'm going to go 100% vegan for the rest of my life and I'm, you know, I'll just kind of figure it out which was yeah. essentially what I did, but um, <laughs> it's not for everybody. Um, you know, that people can kind of like test the waters and they can, you know, gently increase the amount of vegan food in their diets. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the nutritional course, thinking mm. about that, because that that seems to tie in with that sentiment to me. Like you, you've come into it, maybe you are thinking about, doing it overnight or maybe you are thinking actually i need to transition into this i think for a lot of people there's a a fear over the nutritional element you know yeah. I, rem- I remember a bit like you it was an overnight thing for me it was cowspiracy and much later uh 2017 um but i do remember that distinct feeling of i probably am gonna die <laughs> Which was completely silly, of course. But I remember thinking, I probably will keel over at some point. Uh, but, you know, ethically, I didn't have a little one at the time. But I was all, ethically, who cares? You know, it's the right yeah. thing to do, so on and so forth. I, I'll live with that. Um, so do, do you find a f- folks who are taking on the nutritional course in that space? Or, or is it often existing vegans who are wanting to kind of tune up? Well, um the nutrition course was mainly created for what well, we call them food creators. So that could be recipe developers, chefs, um, you know, people who want to start their own brands, their own businesses, you know, that type of thing. But it's also there for home cooks as well. So the majority of people, you know, they want to work in vegan food. So they might want to be like private chefs, personal chefs. They want to learn how to create menus for people with specific ailments, you know, that type of thing. Or, you know, people in different age groups at different times of their life need, you know, different, slightly different diets. Um, so, you know, a lot a lot of the students are within that bracket. Um, but we do have some students who want to do it just for themselves. Um, and so with the course, the course is split into, into two main sections. So first of all is the nutrition side of things, which I developed with a nutritionist, a qualified nutritionist from plant-based health professionals. Um, and then the second half of the course is taking that nutrition knowledge and building menus, recipes, meal plans with that knowledge. Because, you know, I have researched uh, nutrition for a long time and it is very difficult to then make the leap from, okay, well, I know that vitamin E is in that food to, okay, well, how do I put it in my diet? You know, Um, because nutrition knowledge is very abstract, you know, so you need to be able to put it into practice. So it, it helps people go step by step, putting it into into recipes and eventually putting it into a full meal plan. Um, but, you know, the students who have done it 
just for themselves have been able to see that you know within their day-to-day diet there are things that they're missing there are things that they should increase um you know and they've been able to think of like creative ways around that basically like you say is it is an incredibly kind of abstract and difficult thing to a to get your head around you know like like you say you, you could end up with a list of fairly arbitrary whole foods that you just need to sort of just ingest at various points as if you were taking in, uh, you know, vitamins, yeah. multivitamins, like if I eat five walnuts here and this there, but but kind of it's, it it could become a fairly, you know, not, I wouldn't say joyless, but but it, you wouldn't be necessarily getting the full benefits of, of eating great food. So yeah. teaching folks to, to pick those ingredients up and turn them into things and then do that consistently is, is, is you know, I think it's a fantastic thing. Yeah. And probably for many takes the fear out of it because... Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I would always say that if you make sure that you eat a rainbow, which I'm sure that, you know, you and your listeners have heard before, but, um, you know, if you keep to that, then you pretty much can't go wrong as long as you are a healthy adult. Um. So, you know, what to me, eating a rainbow doesn't mean just eating all of the different colours, but eating, you know, nuts and seeds and grains and fruit and vegetables, you know, a broad spectrum of all of the foods that, that are available to us and mainly homemade. Yeah. Preferably. <laughs> Thinking about that, actually, because mm-hmm. that, that's a, a question I often end up talking to folks about. Is um, the and a concern I often have, which is why I ask for different people's perspective on it. But th- there is obviously this increase in prepared foods. We live in a very quick grab and go culture. Admittedly, there was a big old pause put on that for the last kind of eighteen months or so. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, people haven't got time to do anything. Yeah, you know, or at least they think they have. Yeah. It's a prioritization point in some cases, I think. But generally speaking, we live these lives, and so we we tend to be, you know, picking up things at the train station, you know, the, all this kind of stuff, eating on the go, yeah, takeouts, etc. And obviously, consumerist society that we live in, big companies have found different ways to give us vegans the products we wanted, the alternatives, the grab and go sandwiches, the you know, so on and so forth. And I have a little concern that that these things aren't necessarily, they're almost just replacing mm-hmm. the same health problems that we would have had on an omnivorous diet uh, with, with the kind of same problems just in the different guys. And so we're missing out on some of the, or the benefits of, of, a, of veganism from the diet perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could actually lead to, so I know it's a bit of a thread here, it's a bit like mousetrap, <laughs> but uh, that, that, that could lead to more people in the end saying, oh, do you know what, I had to, I had to quit, you know, the, the Miley Cyrus source, you know, I had to quit because of, you know, my, my brain health or whatever, These kind of, I was missing out on this, that and the other. So mm-hmm. do, do you, do you have share that concern or am I, have I got a tinfoil hat on and need to calm down a bit? No, I I do understand it. And I think that those products are great as a starting point and for ease, but I don't think it's a place where people should stay. So I don't think that you should just consume the ready-made products day in, day out. 
you know, they still contain, you know, fillers and salt and sugar. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't think that food has to be difficult to make. You know, I focus on a lot of one pot dishes because I know that my competition out there is the ready made stuff, you know. So yeah, some of my recipes have to be as almost as easy as the ready made stuff. You know, it does that. That's my competition. Um, but there are a lot of one pot dishes where literally you just chop veg, put it into a pot, add some water, you know, let it bubble away. And then you've got a meal at the end of it. So, you know, there are things like that. But people have to consider, you know, what they want their quality of life to be. It's not just about longevity, but it's also about a quality of life um, you know, now and in, you know, 10 and 20 and 30 years time. Um, so they're not things that I think that we should be reliant on. Um, we should see them as treat food, you know, um, not not day in, day out food. Absolutely. Is, is there a couple of either dishes or certainly ingredients that you think any person who's either existing vegan wanting to kind of sharpen up their their diet perhaps get away from some of the the prepared foods processed foods or somebody new into the the world you should be absolutely kind of considering from a convenience point of view but also from a nutritional point of view is there is there a couple of ingredients or a couple of key meals that you you would consider a go-to to get under your belt well to be honest i think you know if you learn the rules of a one pot dish then you can use so many different ingredients in them, you know, so you can chuck in veggies, you can chuck in, you know, rice or noodles or, you know, a a lot of different things. And you've got a one pot dish there, lentils as well. I mean, lentils are, you know, a lot of people like seeing them as like quite boring, quite um, like quite a worthy ingredient, you know, but it's a really, really cheap source of protein. And in our society, a lot of protein sources are very, very expensive. So, you know, even like tofu, you know, it it is more expensive than the vegetables. But lentils, lentils and spices are really, really good for you and really, really cheap as well. You know, and I think that that's something that we also have to really consider these days because food prices are going up, you know. So um, and, you know, people do have the idea incorrectly that eating vegan is more expensive, some people have that idea. I think we're slowly starting to dismantle um, ideas like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, those ingredients I think are, are great and great for satiety, satiety as well, if I can say it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's super easy to chuck in uh, into a pot. You know, lentils, spices onion powder, garlic powder, and make, you know, a curry with chickpeas as well, you know, potatoes, carrots, like that type of thing, um, just in one pot. Absolutely. And and that, uh, a, a favourite of mine, a chick a chickpea curry mm-hmm. or a lentil curry mm-hmm. is an absolute go-to. And I, I don't think I've ever made two that are the same, to be honest, but uh, they all taste kind of good in their own way. Yeah. I think, like you say, you can kind of, uh, change your spice uh, profile slightly and mix up the ingredients and, and mess around with it a little bit. Uh, and you can't go too far wrong. I think one of the, the benefits uh, for me as a very amateur home cook, uh, I found moving from uh, cooking omnivorous to, to cooking vegan, is you don't have to 
consider quite so much the the fact that if you don't quite cook something right that you're you know you're going to die yeah <laughs> and it's one of the one of the huge benefits or you're going to make yourself very sick yeah. so uh, yeah I, I, I definitely think you know experimentation like is something we should all we should all get involved in yeah definitely definitely i mean i one of my mantras is play with your food because quite often people can get really really worried that they're going to do something wrong um but, you know, if you aren't having the guys from MasterChef round for dinner, like, don't worry about it so much. You know, try to be, like, a bit more experimental, a bit more creative and, you know, take a recipe that you've done many times and switch it up, you know, and just try to be a bit more playful with it. You know, it is such a creative thing. Like, food is such a creative thing. And I don't know how we got to this point of it being... Um, so so stressful for so many people you know and and almost like like a chore that a lot of people really hate yet people love watching bake-off yeah and there's just this really really weird relationship in in the uk that we've got with with cooking you know we don't want to do it ourselves but we just want to watch people do it <laughs> it is it is fascinating yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, been, I've been watching a, a, a bit of the bake-off obviously with freya in yeah. it i've i've i felt uh obliged to support um but but yeah it is an odd phenomenon that we that we are obsessed with with cooking shows master chef and hell's kitchen over in the states and you know all these kind of things another another vegan representing on hell's kitchen with uh josie over there so we're obsessed with it, but yeah, at the same time, don't. It's not like we watch it to go. Oh, that's giving me some some good ideas. I'm going to go into the kitchen. We yeah, just just, just entertainment. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, strange. yeah. And actually, I think um, shows like MasterChef um, can do a lot of damage because you know, I mean, I used to watch MasterChef a long time ago, and I remember seeing them say that a soup was too thick or too thin, and it's just. I don't know how they can say that. Like, it's such a subjective thing, you know, yeah. and it makes people feel like food needs to be exactly right. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think you might you might hit the nail on the head there. If I think about, like, growing up in the 80s, there was a lot of cooking shows were, like, very practical, very home yeah. cooking, you know, like, remember the tail end of, like, Fanny Craddock or something, you know, those kind of, like... You know, it was like this. This is how you make X, yeah. and it was Ordelia Smith. You know, it was like yeah. it, it was here. I am making this thing that you should be making at home. It's instructional. Mm-hmm. There seems to be less of that and more of like the talent show kind of vibe. Yeah, um, and the kind of celebrity chef who you know use Gordon Ramsay as an example. Those kind of uh, showing you the kind of inside of the the commercial kitchen, the sort of, you know, all this, the, the language and so on, and which I think all of that feeds into the psyche. It says like, this isn't for you to do. Yeah. This is, this is, this is for, for serious people. Yeah. yeah I think you're right. I've never thought about it like that, but it's, it must be damaging somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I spend a lot of time thinking about food. <laughs> so. Yeah. I bet. Well, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yes. It is. I mean, yeah, it's obviously not a revelation to you, but you've absolutely, uh, Made me think differently about it. it there's there's less of that on, on, on TV, mm. and um, and an interesting. Even though I, I've reflected a lot on the way that they've portrayed the the vegan angle. Whenever they do a, a vegan, I'm glad that they do on Bake Off that there is something, 
But there is always a little bit of a, we can't really do it. (laughs) Like, obviously, it's not going to work as well. There's always that. There's never kind of a, like, well, no, you could totally do it. I'd love to see it where it was, there was more you know, vegan chefs, like, like, even like somebody like yourself being in, in one of those environments to go, no, you can totally do it. Like this, say, do it like that kind of thing. Like be amazing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's surprising to me, the amount of resistance that there is to it, because I think that that's where creativity lies, you know, is so interesting to be able to take something that has historically been non-vegan, non-gluten-free and go, okay, well, how are we going to do this? Um, and there is often a way. I mean, we have create, managed to create like so many foods that have been historically um, non-vegan and non-vegan for a really long time. Yeah. And just over the last, you know, five, ten years, we've worked out how to do it. Well, you mentioned like early in your journey, like patisserie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those areas that I just, if you'd have asked me pre-vegan and pre-coming across some... Uh, patissiers who who are vegan and have and have done it, I would have said, oh well, that's one area you're just gonna have to say no, you can't have that anymore. But I think there's so many great examples, you know, yourself included, of folks saying, no, you can totally do it. Yeah, and it and it's it's just as good, if not better, you know. Yeah. Um, which I think is a bit of a mantra of yours, actually. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've stolen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but to be honest, I really like people telling me that I can't do it. Because it just makes me want to prove them wrong. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, like you say, it's not teaching people recipes, but teaching people how how to how to cook the building blocks, the fundamentals, mm. and then they can be creative and they can uh, meet these challenges of you can't do it and all those kind of things. I think it's yeah. it's an amazing thing that you're doing. It's a, it's a wonderful piece of activism in its in its own way. I really do think that. Um, it would be remiss of us not to tell folks where to go about finding you before we before I let you go. Um, and I really do appreciate your time. Where, where would folks go about finding uh, the vegan uh, uh, chef school and and perhaps enrolling on a course, maybe? So the main place is our website, which is theveganchefschool.com. Um, so we've got information about all of our courses on there, and you can book onto a course, and you can you can give one as a present as well for Christmas. Um, and we're on Instagram and Facebook also as the Vegan Chef School. Excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll put links in the show notes, so uh, if folks want to go and check out uh, the Vegan Chef School. Enrolling in courses, like you say, what a brilliant Christmas gift for, for some people just in time for Veganuary. Yeah. If you've got a, uh, a friend or loved one who's a keen keen cook um, and wants to take it to the next level, um, then why not? Um, thank you, Chef Radley. It's been thank an you. absolute pleasure chatting with you. <laughs> you I too. really appreciate your time. I know you're super, super busy, so thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure.
This is a Bloody Vegans production.